Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year. Then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, remember that podcast I did a few days ago where I talked about the uh, players that I had listed on my weird sort of Twitter binge saying, hey, here's uh, the best player on this team, the best player on that team. And, you know, and I, one of the points I was making is that there's you know, a certain amount of it is subjective, a certain amount of it is statistical, and there's a few that were kind of, you know, the proverbial coin tosses. And there's some, you know, people, the person I responded is like, wrong, wrong. Well, no, not wrong. Does you don't agree with this? You know, you could, as I said, there are some teams that you could make a very compelling case for uh, another player. The Dodgers for one, the Twins for another, the Reds for one. You know, there's a couple where it could have gone either way. And there's a couple that it's very clear that, you know, if some players continue to play the, the way that they can, that you may see that change. Now, <clears throat> the one team I wanted to bring up, though, because I found it to be interesting, that the, and I mentioned it in passing, and I think I even said in the show, we'll get back to this in another show. Well, this is the other show that we're going to get back to in. The Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians have been around a while. The team currently called the Indians were founded in 1901 as the Cleveland Blues. They were the Cleveland Broncos, and they became the Cleveland Naps, named for Napoleon Lajouet, who was the most beloved figure in the Indians' history at that point. And after uh, the 1914 season, when Napoleon Lajouet's time with Cleveland ended, they were rebranded, repurposed as the Cleveland Indians, and they have been the Indians ever since. Now, I have talked about that name. I'm not a huge fan of that name. I would rather go back to the Cleveland Naps, maybe the Cleveland Spiders, maybe the Cleveland Barons. There's a lot of things we could say other than Indians. But you know, the Cleveland Raiders, as I pointed out uh, earlier in the fall, that the Cleveland Raiders were the potential name for the team. You know, if they had done that back in the 1910s, the notion of calling them the Indians would now be considered to be absurd. But they're the Indians, and they're the Indians for now. Now, as it stands, the player who just, you know, statistically and in terms of the impact of the team is the greatest, and the one that I listed there is Napoleon Lajouet. Now, <clears throat> as you know, your pal Sully doesn't refer to war that often. Uh, as a statistic because I don't understand how it's calculated. And, and one of the problems that I, I understand war and is a, a stat that a lot of you cherish. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong for doing so. I just personally don't understand how it's calculated. And so for that purpose, I don't refer to it that much. Now, one of my personal problems I'm going to have with war, I will bring up, you know, in, in, in a little bit. But you know, I calculated in terms of some of the stats, in terms of the uh, impact of the team, that Napoleon Lajouet would be the greatest Indian of all time. Uh, and I thought probably second and third would be Tris Speaker 
and Bob Feller in either, you know, whatever different uh, order that they would be in. And when you take a look at the all-time highest war for the history of the Indians, that's one, two, and three. I came to the same conclusion the war did. I don't know how they came to that conclusion, but we came to the same conclusion. Whether you want to flip Speaker and Bob Feller, that's, that's subjective. But I think it's pretty safe to say that in the history of the Cleveland franchise, Napoleon Lajoie is the greatest player in Cleveland Indians history. Now, one of the things, they have this thing uh, at BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, where they have a thing called the all-time top 20 by war uh, for each franchise. Now, when I put together the ones that I was leaning towards for each team, I always was going to err on the side of post-integration baseball. I think that, you know, if it was between Honus Wagner and Roberto Clemente, do you know what? I went with Clemente because Clemente played when the talent pool was richer, you know, and, and that was the same for in the athletics. I really wanted to pick an Oakland athletic. I didn't want to put a Philadelphia athletic in there, but also, you know, it was between Eddie Plank and Jimmy Fox and Lefty Grove and Ricky Henderson well, Ricky played in an era where there was more talent and stood out in an era that had more talent. So that's why, you know, I, I went with him. But um, you look at this top 20 by war on BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. And of the top 20 that they list in the history of the Cleveland Indians, there are three color pictures. Think about that. Three pictures are in color. Kenny Lofton. Jim Tomei, and Sam McDowell. Sam McDowell is loosely uh, the inspiration for Sam Malone on Cheers. But what struck me is of a franchise that has been around since 1901, and a franchise that have had some wonderful players come through, that they don't have that one great modern player who stood out. Now, Kenny Lofton, if he played his entire career in Cleveland, very well may be that player. Jim Tomei, if he had played his whole career in Cleveland, very well may have been that player. But when you look at, you know, it's the Bob Lemons, it's the Lou Boudreaux, it's the Earl Averills, it's the Joe Sewells, it's the Early Wins, it's the Addie Josses, it's the Larry Dobies who are listed as the great Indians of all time. And there's not that one player, I mean, the only player since the free agency era who appears on this would be Lofton and Tome. And so this is a team where the title of greatest of all time is actually attainable by a player living today. Someone could very well capture the title greatest Cleveland Indian of all time if they build their career up correctly. Now, if you're the greatest Tampa Bay Ray of all time, which was Evan Longoria, the greatest Arizona Diamondback of all time, which is Randy Johnson, the greatest Marlin of all time, 
which you know certainly would have been Hanley Ramirez or Miguel Cabrera if they had kept them, but instead, you know, I'm giving it to Giancarlo Stanton. I lean towards Miguel Cabrera between you and me, but I figured the longevity is going to help uh, Giancarlo Stanton. It's funny, it's been so long since we've had an expansion that you could actually have players have a substantially long career with a certain team. It's not as absurd as it was 10 years ago. But the Indians have the opportunity for someone today to be playing for the team and say this is the greatest Indian of all time. And all they would have to do, if they do two things, of course, if there's a player currently playing on the Indians, if they had scored just one more damn run off of a Aroldis Chapman, they would have the world champion Indian and greatest Indian of all time potential labels. But uh, that's, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Actually, I'm going to get really ahead of myself because I'm going to say something that is absolutely absurd and yet not wrong. Francisco Lindor is 22, 23 years old. How old is he? Let's go to baseballreference.com, see who is website on the history of planet Earth. He is 23 years old. He turned 23 on the 14th of November, just two weeks after Game 7 of the World Series. Lindor came up to the plate in the ninth inning. Lindor, if he had connected off of Chapman and sent one into the seats, then the Cleveland Indians would have been the world champions and Lindor would be an absolute all-time cult hero in the history of the team. Now, to be fair, he had a solid year. To be fair, he actually had a fine postseason, especially in the League Championship Series, where he posted an OPS of 979, including a home run. He doubled in the World Series, but, you know, he homered in the, in the Division Series against my Red Sox. He homered in the <clears throat> League Championship Series against Toronto. If only he homered in that World Series against the Cubs. But that being said... He has played about a season and a half, a little more than a season and a half. He played 99 games in 2015, where he finished second in the Rookie of the Year vote. Last year, he made the All-Star team, earned a gold glove, and finished in the top 10 in the MVP vote. He hit for a high average. He hit for a solid OPS. He hit with some decent power. He has stolen base ability, and he's a gold glove shortstop. These are all the traits that, if I understand war correctly, is what you're looking for. You're not looking for a player with one real trait. You're not looking for, you know, a Steve Balboni who could swing from his heels and hit a big home run but do not, you know, very little else. You're not looking for an all-field, no-hit shortstop. You're looking for someone with a complete game, with a complete power, with a complete everything in their game. And that's Francisco Lindor. <clears throat> and one of the things that could happen in Lindor's career is, while it's early, he has the potential to become the greatest Indian of all time. Now, if he continues to play at a high level, a high level MVP caliber shortstop, 
trying to think who the MVP caliber shortstop. The likes of, okay, maybe it won't be, you know, Jeter or A-Rod. What about a Barry Larkin? He's a Hall of Famer. What about an Alan Trammell? He's a, a well, probably should be a Hall of Famer. If he has a terrific 10-year span, and he's already off to a great start, terrific 10-year span where he is putting up numbers in the power department, in the, in the fielding department, in the stolen base department, in the hitting department, and helping the Cleveland Indians get to multiple postseason appearances. I think the Indians are an absolute lock to make the postseason this year. I think that you know, right now in this room in Palo Alto, I would pick them to win the American League pennant, but that's neither here nor there. You know, the mantle of being the greatest Tampa Bay Ray of all time is, is terrific, it's fine. But to be the greatest Indian of all time, of a franchise this old, with history, with a few championships, with a few droughts, but tradition, a fan base that could be traced back to the beginning of the 20th century, a traditional team that's now incredibly hungry for that world championship that's been eluding them, especially since the mid-1990s when the team began to turn around. Of course, if Manny Ramirez was signed long-term with the Cleveland Indians, he would be the greatest Indian of all time. But he wasn't. He spent more time with Boston than he did with Cleveland, I think. I think that's right. You know, Lofton and Tomei, as I mentioned before. But Lindor... This is almost something the Indians should keep in the back of their heads. This is almost something the Indians should think of alongside trying to win a World Series title. Is to say, wait a minute. Not only could we potentially win, but we could have the greatest Indian of all time on our team in the process. The type of player that, you know, a fan base looks at and says, wow. I rooted for this player in their prime. I've seen when I did the whole thing um, with the, uh, uh, the the teams and their greatest players. I know people who rooted for the White Sox when Frank Thomas was there, and the Phillies when Mike Schmidt was there, and the Reds when both Pete Rose and Johnny Bench were there. Depending on which one you want to hand that title to. You know, some of these teams with these immensely long histories but have seen their greatest player in a relatively recent span of time. We're watching it now with the Angels. All due respect to Chuck Finley, who has the highest war total in Angels history. Mike Trout's the greatest Angel of all time. And we'll certainly pass Finley on that category you know, before long, not that I have any idea of how that's calculated, which is one of the problems that I personally have with war, because right now, uh, the highest war title in Cleveland history, Nap- Napoleon Lajoie and Trish Speaker are both in the mid-70s. Trish Speaker was 74, and Napoleon Lajoie was 78. And right now, the, f- the total for Lindor is 10.3. So he is one-seventh of the way there, or roughly, or one-eighth of the way there. <clears throat> the problem is, I don't know when he's going to pass that. 
I don't know at what point. Is it a nice play in the hole? A hit down the line? I don't know when he's going to pass that number, which makes it difficult for me to see that as a, I don't know, as a, as a metric that I can follow. But what I am saying is, yes, it's incredibly early. Yes, there are players who start off like a house of fire who flame out. As a Boston Red Sox fan, all I got to say is Fred Lynn. All I got to say is Nomar Garcia Parra. You know, we've seen some players just absolutely explode onto the scene and then have either father time or injuries or off-field issues catch up with them. Didn't Dwight Gooden look like he was going to become the greatest Met of all time? And, of course, that title also assumes playing for one team. You know, it's the time that you spent with that franchise. I mean, Frank Robinson, because he was traded away from the Reds and had some of his greatest years with Baltimore, you know, Robinson would be in the running for greatest Red of all time, but not long enough to be the greatest Oriole of all time in a team that had Brooks Robinson and Cal Ripken. So longevity, consistency, and all-around play could be the very thing that takes a guy who didn't make his big league debut, was, began 2015 in the minor leagues. 2015. That's not that long ago. He was a minor leaguer. And now I'm talking about the possibility of being the greatest in the history of a franchise that stretches back to the beginning of the American League. And do you know what? I stand by it. It's one of the things that makes this Indians team interesting if they can close the deal and win this title and keep Lindor for the long term. Just, you know, just eight more years. Just eight more years. Is that, is that too much? Lock him up so he spends 10 years in an Indians uniform. 10 years, a world championship, and the highest war total in the history of the team. Boom. You get something for the traditionals, you get something for the sabermetric crowd, and you get something for the fans of Cleveland. Now, we already know who's the greatest sports figure in the history of Cleveland is. It's LeBron James, followed by Jim Brown. But man, I know it's early. I know it's borderline bananas. I know someone might be rolling your eyes and said, how could you start talking about someone's historical impact when you're talking about someone who just a year, just two years ago, was riding the bus in the minor leagues. I said, you know what? It's there. It's there for the taking. It probably would have been a lot quicker for the taking if he had homered off of Chapman. But you know what? Those are details. So I'm rooting for the Indians. I'd like to see the Indians win the World Series. Obviously, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'd like to see my team win. But I'd like to see the Indians do well. I'd like to see the Indians win. And then, if they do, I'd like to see Lindor stick around. Just so I could say, I can honestly say, I saw the greatest Indian of all time. Greatest Cleveland Indian of all time. Man, it sounds weird when you keep saying it like that. But it's true. And it's one of the things we want as baseball fans. We want to respect the history. We want to see those black and white clips with a certain amount of reverence. But the other thing we want is to feel what we're witnessing now 
is great as well. It's not just that we revere the history and give a middle finger to the present and the future. As I've said many times, baseball exists in the past, present, and future all at the same time. It reminds you of the passage of time and its timelessness all at the same time. Did that sentence make sense? Probably not. But I think you get the idea. So the idea that we can bring up Napoleon Lajoie, Bob Feller, and Trish Speaker, and then bring up Francisco Lindor, and to say, do you know what? You belong in that list. You belong in that proverbial Mount Rushmore. It's early to say yet. This is not at Mike Trout level. But man, it's possible. It's possible. First things first, win the World Series. No pressure. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking about the potential long-term greatness of someone who hasn't even played two full seasons in the major leagues. That's kind of bananas. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I'm begging you, call me Sully.